Well, talking to one of my favorite people, not only in the telecom sector, but as a person who loves technology like I do, is Yanni van Sale, who's the executive head of innovation at Vodacom. Yanni, how are you doing? Firstly, it's good to see you. Um, I, uh, you know, you and I chat often, but I love your vintage computer group that you've set up and you've been collecting. I remember when you first started the vintage stuff. How much vintage stuff have you got and what's the rarest piece of technology that you have in that collection of yours? Aki, okay, I've probably got about 180 vintage computers now in my collection and um, they typically range from the 70s to the early 80s. I always say that um, when the IBM PC was introduced in the early 80s, it killed of a golden age of computing. So that is the era that I'm interested in the 70s and the 80s because every manufacturer, if it was Apple or Atari or Commodore, they all tried something new. There were no standards. Everyone was in it. And there were just so many, many inventions and innovations in those days. And probably the, the, the computers I, I really enjoy um, are the ones that started the home computing industry. We call them the holy trinity of the computing world. The Radio Shack TRS-80, the, um, the Apple II, not the Apple I. One can afford the Apple I. If you find one now, you'll sell it for 15 million rand. So the Apple II, the TRS-80, and the Commodore PET. So those are probably my favorites. And I've got all of those in my collection. Oh, fantastic. And is it difficult to find parts for these kind of things? Um, some of it, yes. Um, you know, especially the custom-made chips you, you are battling to find nowadays. But uh, there's a huge um, market for all of these. Not just a market, but communities. And this is the beauty about the internet, right? Just yeah. the Commodore 64 user group on Facebook. I've got, I think, about 40,000 members. So what's most amazing is that a lot of the parts are newly manufactured. So for a Commodore 64 that you probably bought in 1982, around about there, you can buy brand new components, brand new motherboards, everything is being recreated. So it's absolutely amazing how people support this. Um, so I do a lot of repairs on them. And I tell you, without these communities on the internet, it would be really, really difficult. But you literally make contact with the people that originally designed them and worked on them. So, you know, the internet's just an amazing place for this. That's amazing. Now, it links pretty nicely into talking about innovation and uh, your your particular role at Vodacom and amongst many other things, because uh, I've never known someone who knows more about telecoms than yourself. But uh, you look at what you've been doing and you look at the innovation at where we've been today. And, uh, and I guess it's uh, it brings a lot of thought process into your mind as to exactly what is innovation. So when you look at this computer collection and when you look at where we are today and you look at the innovation that is taking place, how do you explain innovation to somebody? What is innovation? You know, innovation nowadays has become a bit of a buzzword, right? And everyone has got it. If you see a PowerPoint deck, I bet you innovation is on, on all the slides. Um, but innovation has always been with us. And um, really, it is just that stuff that we do that makes things better. So innovation um, is something we all inherently recognize. So we've got formal definitions for innovation. So for example, the one we use in Vodacom and a lot of people use is something new that adds value. And that, that something can be anything. It can be a product. It can be a design. It can be a business process. It can be a way of, of putting something together. It must be clearly new and it must add some kind of value. And that value can again be measured in many different ways. But to be quite honest, um, when I look at innovation or the definition of innovation, it's that thing that if someone tells you their idea, you look at them with kind of like blank eyes and say, why the hell haven't you done this before? It is so obvious. Yes. And innovative ideas are always extremely obvious the moment you hear them. But up to that point, no one thought about it. 
So it's an interesting thing. So we call it the der moment, that moment when I say, this is so obvious, surely we've done this before, but literally we haven't. We, we didn't put things together in a certain way. So innovation for sure is not invention. Innovation typically takes things that already exist and put them together in a new way that adds value. And you know, we all love to talk about Uber as an example. There's yes. nothing new in the Uber model, right? We all have smartphones, uh, GPSs, apps existed, taxi drivers existed, taxis existed. But the way these things got put together in a new business model, that was innovative. So no invention. You know, someone invented the wheel at some point, but every single improvement on the wheel was the innovation. When, when Dunlop put a tube around it and a piece of rubber around it, that was the innovation. So innovation, something new that creates some kind of value. And then why, why is it so important, Yanni? Why, why is innovation so important in the world that we're living in today? Well, I think it literally makes the world go round. It, it improves the world. So if we didn't have innovation, we would still be living you know, in a hole in the ground, in a cave somewhere. Everything that we do is innovative. We keep on incrementally make things better. And these things can sometimes be quite small. You know, if you look at your, your, your Apple device that you use today, it's significantly better than that first iPhone 3 that you got. But you can't really show step changes in, in that space. You know, cameras progressively get better and better and better. So innovations make for these incremental changes, but you also get really big step changes um, that, again, are things that already exist. One of the nice ones now that one can point at are the, the low Earth orbit satellites, the LEO satellites like SpaceX with Starlink and, and all these satellites suddenly going up. Um, they are pretty disruptive in, in what they bring, but nothing about them is new, but the way they're being used today to disrupt the terrestrial networks like mobile operators like Vodacom is mm. pretty innovative. Yeah, I mean, and uh, you, you're 100% right about those satellites. In fact, I remember them. I mean, they've been around for a long time. In fact, the company that started it off even went bankrupt, right? And, and I guess they didn't innovate properly uh, at, at the time because certainly those companies that are doing it right now certainly found a very good use for it. And somebody was reminding me about innovation. Um, and, and, you know, they said to me, electric cars are nothing new. The electric vehicles have been around for a long time. I mean, I remember growing up as a kid and now we're going back 30, 40 years. Those milk vans that used to deliver yeah. milk and orange mm -hmm. juice, those were electric in those days, you know. So somebody's obviously thought of another application, the likes of Elon Musk has really driven it with Tesla. But what makes a, a great innovator? I guess, is, is Elon Musk a great innovator? Is Steve Jobs a great innovator? What makes a great innovator, Yanni? Yeah, so, so they both are brilliant examples. And, and by the way, Porsche made electric cars before they made petrol cars. So yes, in the early 1900s, late 1800s, early 1900s, it was pretty much um, a toss-up between internal combustion and electric and other modes of transport. There, were, there was no standards. And it was all about the development that eventually made the internal combustion engine more, more efficient and, and it became the dominant standard. Um, but it, it, why are those people great innovators? Because innovators see problems. You and me and most people, we just see the, the, the problems that's caused or, or, or the symptoms of the problems. And we kind of like live with it. You know, we sit, it's stuck in traffic and um, we, we battle with things that don't work properly. But innovators have got this ability to see the underlying cause of problems and then address those. I think that's one of the big things. So they see those problems, they see the inefficiencies, they see the root causes and they attack those. And I think that is one of the big differences between innovators and non-innovators that they can deduce what's actually causing the problem. We talk about the five whys, you know, kids are so good at this. They ask us why for everything we say. And then when we give them an answer, they ask why on that. And innovators do that. They continuously ask why till they come to the root cause and they fix that. 
And people like Steve Jobs had an intuitive feel for what people want. And I think that's the other big thing for innovators that understand what humans want. We so often see the designers and people that come up with solutions, come up with a solution and they don't understand what the problems they're trying to fix. Innovators understand what it is that drives humans and they fix things, they make things easier for humans. And I think then the other thing with innovators is they don't give up. And um, we always read the success stories, you know, of a, of a Jobs or a Musk um, or a Henry Ford, but you um, don't see all the pains that they experience and all the problems and all the challenges and all the naysayers that were attacking them down their path um, till, till they got to the point. So I think innovators have got dreams, they dream big, they find root causes, and if they find obstacles along the way to their dream, they just fix those. And Elon Musk is actually a brilliant example of that, right? His yeah. dream is multi-planetary um, civilizations. So he has to fix a lot of stuff. He didn't give it uh, give up the first time he ran into a problem that it's too expensive to build a rocket. He didn't know how to build a rocket. Um, you know, he famously tried to buy one from the Russians and then he couldn't do a deal, so he just built one. Then he said, this is too expensive. I have to make them land so that I can bring the cost down. You know, his role wasn't to build reusable rockets. It was a stumbling step for him but he had to overcome so he just overcame it and he's on his way to his dream so innovators dream they don't get distracted they don't listen to the naysayers and they inherently understand the the, the core problems the root causes of things yanni uh, it's interesting I, I, great listening to you talking about innovation what makes innovation innovators i mean we touched on uh, two the likes of steve jobs and and uh, and uh, elon musk do you have any other innovators, your favorite innovators on that list? I mean, the ones we've just spoken about are pretty current. But if you go back to the turn of the last century, you know, people invented the, the, the engine and electricity and all those people come to mind. Who are your favorite innovators? You know, it, it's, it's funny that we just spoke about Jobs and Musk because they, they are really on my list. And, and I'll explain why now. And, and of course, someone like Ford to have touched on as well just now. But the reason Steve Jobs is on top of my list as one of the great innovators is exactly because he understood consumers. Um, and that is something that you don't often find. You know, Steve Jobs famously said that um, consumers don't know what they want. And a lot of people misunderstood that for arrogance and that he thinks he knows better. But what he was talking about was that if you ask consumers what they want, if you ask people what they want, it's actually a very unfair thing to ask them because they don't know. So they can only res you know, re resolve to what they know. So if you have to ask someone you know, in the mobile space, what do you want? They're gonna say, I want cheaper data and maybe longer battery life. So Steve Jobs understood what people want. When he built their first touchscreen smartphone, the, the iPhone 3, um, he, um, the 3G, he intuitively understood that people want the biggest piece of real estate that they can carry in their pocket and he was willing to sacrifice the keyboard. And everyone slated him for that. You'll remember BlackBerry was gunning for him, saying oh, yeah. what a stupid idea, it will never be a, 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 a success. So Steve Jobs for me is right on top of it because he, he understood what people want long before people actually understood it themselves. So he could bring it to, um, to that. He actually, in that famous quote of his that said, people don't know what they want, he quotes Henry Ford who's one of my other favorite innovators who said, if I had to ask people what they want, they would have said a faster horse. And that again is a brilliant example that you can't ask people what they want because they only understand the symptoms of the problems they're experiencing. So, you know, um, my horse is slow, but that wasn't the problem that they had. The problem was to move efficiently from one point to another point. So if you tell them that you, I can improve your, your, your travel, they would have said, well, make my horse faster. So that was Henry's thought point. And of course, um, 
you um, you had people, you know, like um, Von Braun, that is another Elon Musk. He wanted to tra to travel to the moon, right? So his whole program with the rockets that he built, and make no mistake, he used the the, the Second World War and he used the Nazis to to further his own aims. But he had this vision to go to the moon because as a boy he wanted to go to the moon, just like Elon Musk wants to go to Mars. So these are the kind of innovators that really I think are inspiring because they just tackle problems that seem absurd for you and me. To, to even try and figure out how to resolve it. And they just say, I've got this big dream, I'm gonna go down this path. So absolutely, there's been a lot of innovation in the computing industry, you know, when we um, developed the first transistors in the 60s, um, when we moved from mechanical computing to analog computing to digital computing, all those were absolutely brilliant, you know, and, um, and they, those were great innovators. And then probably the other person I would like to call it is someone that you and me actually have met in person who um, is for me one, one of the names in innovation, and that of course is Clayton Christensen, um, who, who wrote extensively about innovation and really brought such clarity to the subject. And as a matter of fact, and why I tied them all together, Steve Jobs said that there's only one book you ever read in your life. And he said, you will only ever read one business book himself. And that was Clayton Christensen's The Innovator's Dilemma. The Innovator's Dilemma, yeah. And that was um, where um, Christensen explained to us that Companies fail because they're very good at what they do. Remember, Job just said that um, you shouldn't listen to your customers. Christensen built the models for us to show that. He said that if you listen to people and ask them what they want, they will kill your company because you will do what they want. So Christensen said great companies fail because they do exactly what the customers want. It's quite a dilemma, right? No, absolutely. But I mean, um, it's interesting you talk about that and you look at a company like uh, an organization like Vodacom and Vodacom has had to innovate uh, quite extensively. I mean, I remember when Vodacom first started and the services you offer then and the services you offer today and you as head of innovation. I mean, what is Vodacom's approach to innovation? How do you see innovation? How do you drive innovation at Vodacom? Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the one nice thing about Vodacom is it, it itself was a disruptive, innovative company. So disruptive innovation is when literally you, you disrupted another industry. Vodacom was formed in 1994 to disrupt um, fixed telecoms. In those days, we only had fixed line um, communications, both for data and for voice. Um, and Vodacom picked the technology, GSM. No one knew it was going to work even in those days. And they picked that technology and they said, we're going to take on the might of telecom in South Africa. Um, and um, so the, the company was formed, you know, as a band of innovators, as a bunch of people that would push their envelope. And, and that DNA was established in 1994. Um, and, um, and it's there in the company to this day. But you're quite right. You know, a lot of people came into the industry, became extremely competitive. Um, and Vodacom had to continuously innovate. And, and we've done that extremely well um, without really dropping the ball on our core business, which is still a telecoms company. So we were first with 2G, the first with 3G, the first with 4G, the first with 5G. So even as the incumbent, it's very important for us to be always on the leading edge of new technology. But that's just the telecoms business. You know, when we started developing things like mobile money with Impesa, um, telco insurance, you know, we today one of the biggest insurers in the country. And this is continuous innovation on top of um, our, of our core business, which still is telecoms. And we, we quickly diversifying now in those areas. So you've got this continuous in innovation that must happen to survive. Um, I always say about Vodacom, it's a very paranoid company, but it's paranoid in a good sense, in the sense that 
every single day when it goes well, you know, Shamil will tell you this, if it's going well, we better start panicking because it's when it's going well that people calm down and relax and that's when you get disrupted. So we continuously reinventing ourselves. Um, and this has created a really, really strong culture of innovation in Vodacom. So we've built programs in Vodacom, for example, to help people to ideate and to innovate and to really collaborate. And this is really important in our current space where we are moving from being just a telco to what we call a techo, a technology company. Um, as we move up the stack and communications, you know, the network component is becoming just a de facto service that we deliver, but we're developing all these new systems and platforms um, and other industries on top of that. So that move from telco to techo really, really forces us in a way to become even more innovative. And we see that come through in the organization and it's a really, really active um, component of a, of a company that, that all across the company, people are innovating and some brilliant ideas are coming out. No, that's amazing. I mean, and I've seen it over the years, as I mentioned, it's incredible. And the reality is, if you didn't innovate, uh, Vodacom would be irrelevant. You'd be out of business by now. And I guess you have to keep uh, looking inwards and seeing what difference you can make. Look at other revenue streams, which brings me back to your job, which is really one of the coolest jobs in technology. I mean, what does your job actually entail? Do you do you meet with people? Will you get, uh, you know, a group of people from... I don't know, the 5G department and say, listen, guys, let's innovate. Let's come up with, you know, more business solutions to this particular problem. What does your job actually entail? Yeah, look, I, I do think I've got one of the coolest jobs around. Um, but it's also a very, very dangerous job. Um, innovation departments in corporates normally don't last for more than five years because people, first of all, say, let's be innovative. You know, typically the CEO stands up on the stage and say, from today on, we innovate you just don't do it that way. You really, really have to build a culture and we've got that culture. Mm. And then they put a, they, they go and build a room, they put green bean bags in this room and everyone sits on these green bean bags and drink espressos. And then they say, we are now gonna build the next Google. And within three, five years, these departments have delivered nothing and they get closed down as a big failure. And then probably five, six, seven years later, they'll try it again as they change management. So it's extremely important that when you do innovation that you're very practical about it. And that's something that I think we've done well in Vodacom. So I started the innovation department in Vodacom probably seven years ago now, seven, eight years ago. Um, and the one thing I always understood, you know, from Alan's days to Peter's days to Shamil's days, is that you have to be very practical. So we do a whole range of things. We do all the normal stuff you would think about innovation. So we run ideation programs where we solicit ideas from the staff. We run hackathons where we get great ideas through. Um, we, we run incubation functions where we take these ideas, and I'll, I'll give some examples just now, where we take these ideas and we build them into a state that the company can actually do something with it. Um, we've got acceleration elements, we've got commercialization elements. This is all wrapped up in something we call our innovation framework, which is a, a proper model that we've developed to do innovation all the way from what I call the twinkle in someone's eye to the, to the invoice. So right from idea to invoice, mm. we, we have all these components in place. So we do these incubation initiatives um, inside the business units when it's typically core type of innovations, things that are close to the business that they can execute well. And then we have our own incubator where we do some, some, some crazy stuff, you know, and I can't talk about too many of them, but one of them you would have read about um, that was gonna launch now, uh, now right about now with these loon balloons that we were gonna fly over Africa. So that was one of our projects that took us quite a while to, to try and get that into, um, into Vodacom and launch. And unfortunately, Alphabet closed that program down just as we were literally about to launch. We've done a lot of other interesting stuff and um, it wasn't coincidence that I mentioned satellites um, earlier because we're doing a lot of work in that space now out of our incubator. 
But also one of the things we do is we realize that it's easy to ask people for ideas. So we get thousands of ideas coming through our ideation programs. We run one internally in Vodacom called Innovate, and we run, we run one externally for, for um, external people to Vodacom called My Idea. Um, and these generate large numbers of, of great ideas. But the problem is a good idea doesn't mean that you can just go and execute it. You need to develop this idea. You have to build out what we call the viability and the desirability and the feasibility of this idea. Mm. And to help people do this, we actually built a university. We, we built something we call the Innovation University that does a few things. It, um, it teaches people online and in classes, you know, how to ideate, how to come up with great ideas. But most importantly, then how to develop those ideas into something. If you present it to business, they say, okay, yes, me. You know, it's not, you don't just think it's a good idea. You know, it's a good idea because you've done the work. So that's called the Incubation University or the Innovation University. And we also do that with our student programs. We send about 400 students a year to different universities for different courses. And as part of that, we let them ideate and incubate. And they spend eight months doing that work, doing proper research. And we then pull all that back. So it's a very powerful way of getting well-developed ideas back into the organization. And then lastly, the thing that we do we, that, that we do that we think is really important is what we call the innovation premium. And that is to tell people about the fact that we innovated. So we find these great ideas that people do in Vodacom. We, we protect them if we have to. We'll patent them, for example. We will help them develop it. But most importantly, we tell staff about it because everyone wants to work in an innovative company. We tell our customers about it because people want to be associated with an innovative company. And of course, investors would put a premium on a company that seemed to be innovative like Vodacom. So that's part of what we do as well, this concept of the innovation premium. So I think we've got a cool balance between doing real stuff, you know, that's got real results and doing literally moonshot type of stuff as well. I mean, that's so cool, Yanni. I mean, you mentioned many of the innovations that, uh, that you've had, but the reality about innovators as well is that not enough people, not enough people talk about the failures, right? Because no. There are a lot more failures uh, than real innovations. You know, people rave about stuff like you mentioned in PESA earlier. We spoke about Steve Jobs. But, you know, the, the process to get there, there's been, you know, a lot more failures than the actual successes, right? And I think it's important to, to note the fact that it's very important to fail as well. Um, and I'm sure you've had lots of failures, lots of things that you guys have tried. And at the end, you said, well, you know, maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe it's not practical. But that in itself might have sparked off another innovation throughout that process. And I guess that's also quite important. Um, you know, some of the innovations you touched on at, at Vodacom, uh, Mpesa, that you've been working on, the balloons, the insurance, etc. I mean, that's just a, a handful of many such innovations, right? Mm, absolutely. Yeah, yeah no, there's a lot, you know, and, and looking back, um, the problem with Vodacom um, is that they're so good at what they do, and I'm talking about all the people building this thing. They just think it's the day job. Just last year, we we picked up. So so we run a program called the Innovate Program, where people submit ideas and then they develop those ideas. And when those ideas go into production, this is important. It must deliver value. Then we have a classic one million rand type of program, right? Where we've got a prize pot of a million rand, and and all ideas that got completed. Um, go up for consideration and then at the end of the day um, the CEO or Exco makes deliberation and, and prizes are awarded and they're, they're pretty decent prizes. Last year's um, winning idea, we actually only discovered after the, the team who had designed and built and implemented this thing had it already in production, we did not even know it was happening. 
This idea, the value it's going to give Vodacom over the next five years is a billion rand. A billion wow. rand idea. These were two engineers that just developed something that they just thought is their day job. And when we found out about it in the innovation team, we, of course, we, you know, we, we went crazy. We, we grabbed the idea, we patented it, um, we put it through the process to, to formalize it, and, and this team won. Um, and the second prize last year was a similar thing. That was a, a battery solution. You know, battery theft is a massive problem. And the team just went out and solved this problem in an absolutely unique, innovative way. They pretty much glued the batteries down in such a way that the criminals can't get the batteries out. Simple, simple solution for a really complex problem with massive value. So, so this culture is in the organization and, and under this innovation premium, we try and extract these cool ideas. But you know, Vodacom has always been innovative like this prepaid that is now the dominant payment method worldwide for mobile communications was developed by Vodacom South Africa. So That's we right. developed it, we developed the technology on our iron platforms and we launched it and no one even bothered to think about maybe we should patent this thing, there might be some value in it. And that's the, the, the culture we've got in, in Vodacom is this massive innovation happening all the time. So we, we've got lots and lots of these examples, but you're quite right, you know, you never know about the failures because people, first of all, they give up. Um, you don't keep count of the failures, you keep count of the successes. But Edison said, right, I, I learned a thousand ways how not to make a light bulb. Um, and, and that you're always going to find. So it comes back to that perseverance. And these winners I just spoke about now, none of them did this as a full-time thing. They had their day job and then they had a passion and That's they amazing. developed this in their spare time essentially and they implemented it and they drove it and they don't take no for an answer. And corporates can be vicious, right? This thing we call the immune system in a corporate that can kill any new idea. These people overcame it. Um, our winner of the year before last, Judy um, Shape, for example, she had a brilliant idea, um, tried to sell it internally, couldn't get funding. She went outside of Vodacom and got funding. She went outside Vodacom, got funding for the implemented idea. And I think in the first few months, it, it returned something like 60 million rand to Vodacom. That's so that tenacity that oh, is it. what we look for in innovators. Now, Yanni, uh, you talk about innovation and you look at South Africa, and I think Africa per se brings some exciting innovators. And I think that, you know, technology and this growth of data centers and access to technology is going to drive innovation even more in the next few years. I mean, what's your what's your take on, on Africa and innovation per se? Oh, man, you know, I can't remember now who sang the song in the summertime, you know, when the going is good. In you the know, summertime, your daddy's da, 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 da. That, okay. that was. Here's the problem. If the going Jerry, is good, people wants. don't innovate. There you go. There you go. If, 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 if a going is good, people don't innovate. If a going is tough, it's amazing the innovation that come up. Africa is a tough continent, right? There's no money. There's little money. There's little infrastructure. So Africa, for me, is probably one of the most innovative continents. People keep on saying, where's the next Google? You know, where's the next Apple? Go and look how people solve real problems in Africa. That's the true definition of innovation. So they multi-skilled the people because they have to be. You can't have just a job that does this and someone else has got a job that does that. You are all those things. You're a builder and a plumber and the electrician and a and a farmer all in one, you know, and you will innovate. And if you earn, you know, less than two dollars a day, you're going to come up with brilliant innovations. It doesn't always have to be high technology. One of my favorite African innovations is something called the hippo roller. Yes. Um, and the hippo roller, you must go and Google it. It's a, it's, it's a drum that you can roll down to the river to fill up with water and roll back to the village. 
And I can just think the, the Europeans and the Americans looking at this problem of getting water to the village and they come up with Archimedes screws that's solar powered and controlled by the internet of things and all this stuff that will probably just break within six weeks. Um, and here someone comes and they solve the real problem in a way that is so logical. It just touches all the stuff. Remember when we spoke about the definition of innovation, when I look at it and I, um, and I say, why the hell haven't we done this before? It's so obvious. You know, you see this over Africa all the time. But having said that, um, you know, in Africa, we sit on a massive pool of, of great resources. And at the last count, I think we've got now over 600 innovation hubs across Africa. So from South Africa all the way north. We've got over 600 innovation hubs where people just sit and innovate. So Africa has got all this latent um, talent. It's got this desire to do things because it ain't easy, right? Your, your daddy is not rich. Um, and I, we're just going to see innovations come out of Africa continuously for all these problems that we face. So I really think Africa, and I, I often say this in, in, in sessions with Europeans and they look at me strangely, uh, Africa is the most innovative continent. Absolutely, no doubt. Well, listen, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, you, you've got me fired up and I'm sure many people are fired up listening to us and watching this uh, particular session at the My Broadband Conference. And, and if somebody's listening and saying, you know, and, and this happens often, you know, I often get people, you know, sending me messages on Facebook or LinkedIn saying that I've got this brilliant idea to do this, to do that. If someone has a great idea and, and that's the biggest problem, you have an idea, but you don't know necessarily how to make it big and how to execute it and how to get a, a really a, a big player like Vodacom to help you innovate that. How, how do innovators get in touch with Vodacom? If somebody's got a brilliant idea that will work on your network, uh, how do they get in touch with you? What do they do? Um, yeah, so um, they, uh, we've got an email called my idea, one word, my idea, one word, at vodacom.co.za. And people are absolutely... Um, can can mail us on there so my team watches that mailbox and um, we've got a bit of a process so the first thing we normally say to people if you want to submit an idea to Vodacom make contact with us on my idea and um, typically we tell people don't disclose your idea yet because we're going to get some terms and conditions in place which we clearly have to do and once we've got that out of the way that everyone is happy we typically advise um, innovators to make sure they protect their ideas um, it's not that Vodacom wants to steal your idea, but you, you might be sending your idea everywhere else. And we, we really, yeah. really work with these ideators so they protect their ideas. And then we engage them and we see if there's something that we can do there. And sometimes we get great ideas and sometimes we get some silly ideas. Sometimes we get people that think just because they send us an idea, we have to implement it. Clearly, there's, there's no such um, arrangement um, or, or guarantee that ideas will be used but every idea that comes in we personally look at my team my ideation team and myself we look at we look at the merits and we see who in business would be interested in that idea so send your ideas through to my idea at vodacom.co.za um, and just remember don't just say my idea is i want the world to be a happier place you know work a little bit on what is the concept what do you think is the market what is the value what do you personally want out of it you can often see people are fishing maybe just for employment rather say that so i've got this great idea don't you have a, a position in this department that's going to do this digital thing because the more information you give us on my idea the more and the better we can steer your idea inside the organization and then we can't like try and do matchmaking like that and well, hopefully we, we get some cool ideas that way. Well, I mean, talking about innovators and ideas, uh, just lastly, Yanni, it's been fascinating talking to you about innovation. And it's something that runs through Vodacom's DNA, which is important. It's been 
baked into your DNA, which is why you're coming up with these great ideas. But your advice to young innovators, people who are innovating, who've got great ideas, what is your best advice that you can give an innovator? Oh man, you have to tough it out. It's, it's, and it's exactly what we just spoke about. Don't think you're going to tell someone, I've got this brilliant idea and you're going to sit back and it's going to happen automatically. It's just not how the DNA of organizations are created and even people that, um, that, that you, you sell your idea to. There's a book that talks about don't try and sell to your mother. You know, don't pitch to your mother because your mother is always going to say yes. It's tough being an innovator. Be, be prepared that a lot of people are going to be naysayers. They're going to attack you. They're going to tell you you're an idiot. It's a stupid idea. Um, and um, you will run into so many, many obstacles in trying to, uh, to, to, to either sell your idea, pitch your idea, um, implement your idea, and you'll have to overcome those obstacles. So it's not easy. We see the success stories, and you alluded to it earlier. We don't hear the thousands of failures. Most people basically just gave up. It's going to be tough. So if you want to be an innovator, don't ever, ever give up coming up with great ideas, but work your ideas, fight for them. And make sure that when this immune system that I spoke about starts coming up, that you're ready to fight that again. And for sure, you will find that if you come up with great ideas, at some point, someone's going to try and steal your idea. So you, what you typically find, and we, we literally talk about the four stages of innovation, when you come up with a brilliant idea, or when you think it's a brilliant idea, and you tell people around you, they're going to say to you, um, in, especially in a corporate, it's a stupid idea, and you're an idiot for thinking about this idea. And then if you back off at that point in time, that's the end of the idea. If you keep on fighting and, and socializing the idea and pushing the idea, you'll eventually get to the second stage where people will tell you, okay, it's a good idea, but it's probably not applicable to us. And that way they try and make you go away. And if you keep on fighting for this, eventually people will say, you know what, it's actually a pretty cool idea and we should do something about it. And the fourth time after you've now done all the work to implement the idea, they will probably tell you it was their idea all along. And we always say to people, if you can get people to stage four, where they try and steal your idea, then you know you've properly ideated and, and you've been a successful innovator. So it's going to be tough. Keep on fighting and never, ever, ever let your passion go. Ah, absolutely inspirational. Uh, Yanni van Sale, Head of Innovation at Vodacom, amongst other things. Uh, it's been absolutely fascinating talking to you about innovation, how Vodacom sees innovation. And uh, we thank you very much for your time. Thank you for joining us at the My Broadband Conference, albeit virtually like this. Um, but thank you for your time, Yanni, and I look forward to seeing you in person very soon. Thanks, Etienne. Thanks, thanks for hosting me. I think I've never missed a single My Broadband conference. I've spoken at every single one since the first That's right. one. So it would have been a travesty if I missed this one. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, you're certainly not going to miss this one or the next one. Um, and yeah, you're quite right. You've been at it from the beginning. Um, it's a great pleasure. And by the way, before you go, just give us that uh, the information for that Facebook vintage computer site. If people watching want to get in touch and want to take part of it. I just love reading through the stuff that people are working on. So just give us those details, please. Absolutely, Luke. I, I don't have an exact name now, but if you Google on, on Facebook or Facebook group called the Vintage Computing Group of South Africa, we're a, a motley crew now, I guess about 600 South Africans, very active in different areas. It's a great place to meet like-minded people, to get support, to just chat about vintage computing and gaming consoles. It's another big thing. You know, the old gaming consoles, Nintendos and so on, they're very active on there. So please join. Um, it's, a, it's a fun group and we have, we have fun events on there and it would be brilliant to see more people on there. 
Yeah, and and and, and I've just I've just learned so much about computing on there, you know, and and and, and I've I've discovered computers that I've never heard of before. And I've been to that computer museum that's in 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 California, in in um, in the heart of of Silicon Valley. And uh, boy, oh boy, you guys have got some exciting stuff. Yanni, once again, thank you for your time. Thank you, Aki.